Good afternoon, everyone. Woo, that's loud. <laughs> Welcome to the Meet the Artist program, which is produced by the San Francisco Ballet Center for Dance Education. I'm Cheryl Osola, a writer for San Francisco Ballet and editor-in-chief of Dance Studio Life magazine. Today is Sunday, April 1st, 2012, and I'm happy to see so many of you here at the War Memorial Opera House. Today is also April Fool's Day, but more important than that, it is Sergei Rachmaninoff's birthday. You will be hearing his fantastic symphonic dances today. Uh, so that was April 1st, 1873. So I'd also like to welcome our online listeners. Uh, many of the Meet the Artist interviews are available via podcast at our website, sfballet.org, so do check it out. There's a lot of other good stuff on there, like photos, videos, and the company's blog, Open Studio 455. And I'm happy to announce, too, that um, the score for Yuri Posakov's Raku, uh, which was composed by our own orchestra's Shinji Ashima, is now available on CD. And this was recorded by the San Francisco Ballet Orchestra last April at Skywalker Ranch, and it's totally awesome. And you can get it online at the website and also in the gift shop on the mezzanine level. And one last announcement, which is that there will be time for questions at the end, so please hold your thoughts until then. Now to our guest, soloist Courtney Elizabeth. Please welcome her. Thank you. Courtney is a graduate of the San Francisco Ballet School, and she also trained at Charlotte School of Ballet and North Carolina Dance Theater. She was born in Charlotte, North Carolina. She was named Apprentice in 2002 and joined the Corps de Ballet the following year. After seven years in which she danced in an incredible number of ballets, in 2010 she danced in every performance, uh, she was promoted to soloist in 2011. So she has danced soloist roles in many classical and contemporary ballets. She's also danced principal roles in Krenko's Onyegin, Balanchine's Symphony in C, Thomason's Trio, Zanella's Underskin, Canaparelli's Ibsen's House, just to give you a taste. And this season, along with plenty of other roles, you might have seen her as an elephant or a harlot. <laughs> so she has range. So this season, her track record of pre frequent performances is holding strong. She's danced in every ballet so far except for Bose, but that's all men, uh, Francesca de Rimini, The Fifth Season, and Raku. On program five, which you'll see today, she's in both Edward Liang's world premiere, Symphonic Dances, and Glass Pieces, which is now 30 years old and, and holding up just fine, thank you, by Jerome Robbins. So, Courtney, um, I think this was your first time working with Ed Liang. Uh, it's his first work for the company. Um, so how would you describe uh, his creative process, and, and, and did it mesh in any particular way with how you like to work? Um, well, I think one of the great things about Ed is that he's young and he's still in shape, and he could seriously demonstrate every single thing that he wanted to convey through his movement. So 
it was incredible watching him in the studio and he would take class with us every day and uh, it was really cool for me too because I think when I was 15, I remember my mother taking me to see New York City Ballet and I can't remember the name of the piece, I think it was called like Red Angels or something and it was just a big memory for me as a young dancer and he was one of the dancers in that piece and so it was really cool to get to you know, work with him in a different aspect with that memory. Um, he's an incredible mover, uh, just to watch his, his upper body and his torso, his arms, and I think that, that flowing really uh, comes across in, in the ballet, both for the ensemble work and for the pas de deux. One of the things I noticed about Ed in the studio was that he, he just has this air of serenity about him. Mm -hmm. he, you know, there, there's no, oh my God, I've got to get this done. Um, how, does that like just make you breathe easier? Absolutely. He really was, he was very cool and professional and had a great sense of humor through the whole piece. It was, it was really like, uh, almost working for a friend, just really, really professional and uh, yeah, I, he would just crack some great jokes and kind of relieve the tension and um, he always finished on a positive note, which I really found very encouraging too, you know, even if it was a rehearsal or maybe it was tedious or not a lot got accomplished, he would say, you know, thank you so much for your work today. I know that was difficult, but uh, I think that also created a really great atmosphere with Ed. Have you had a chance to actually see symphonic dances? <laughs> I haven't. I think I might try and watch today, actually, from the front. Always a different thing. Um, so the, the other piece on today's program that, that you'll be seeing is, um, that Courtney is in is Glass Pieces, um, although she's not dancing. Um, and it's, I, I don't think I've met anyone yet who doesn't like this ballet. And, and even though it has 80s, very 80s costumes, which is part of its charm, um, it doesn't seem dated at all. It's, it it's really has this sort of urban energy to it, and it's also got this sort of folkloric feel to it. So I, I just wondered, you know, what your, what your take on it is, what you like about it. Well, I've been fortunate now to do the first movement, which I think is called Rubric, is that right? Um, as one of the soloist couples, and then I also, uh, for several years, got to perform the core at the end, which I think is the true tour de force in the, in the piece. It's just an incredible finale, and to work as a, as a group, as an ensemble, is, is a really special thing. With the, the, the glass music is just, it's pumping, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a really special thing. So I've gotten to be on kind of both sides, both ends of the ballet, um, and as well as, you know, the, the second movement, I think, is iconic with the, the slow potted a couple and the line of girls going across the back, and that actually is unbelievably difficult <laughs> um, to keep your concentration, because the music is just na-da-da-da-da-da-da, and it's not quite even. It's even enough that, you know, you can kind of get lost, so... <laughs> Um, I really appreciate those girls in the back who, you know, have to really concentrate for a 10-minute pas de deux. And, uh, yeah, it was really neat, too. Jean-Pierre Frolic um, was the, the guy who came from the Robbins Trust to stage this ballet, and he's so precise and very clear um, with getting across what Robbins wanted out of the piece. And, you know, uh, in the first movement, there's uh, a lot of the ensemble is just walking across the stage and he would demonstrate that over and over again and you think, oh, 
it's just walking, you know. <laughs> what is there to demonstrate about that? But, uh, you know, he, he really wanted to kind of convey this feeling of New York pedestrian, got somewhere to go. And uh, I, think that's, I think that's a really cool aspect about the piece, too. Yeah, the, the, the first movement is, is actually fascinating just in all that walking because it looks really hard. I mean, it, just the complexity of it, and, and as you'll see, if you haven't ever seen it before, they walk, but then in unison there are these moments where they stop or they make a gesture, and this is minimalist music where there aren't big cues for this sorts of thing. How, how do you do that? Well... The first movement, like you said, is not choreographed for the main ensemble. Um, the soloist couples will kind of just appear, and that, of course, is you know, set. But uh, there's actually cheat sheets in the wings backstage where it says, this, is this, this part, you count 6-8, six, 6-8, eight, six, eight, or this part, you count four sevens, and on the fourth three of the seven, then you have to go and out. You know, There's like one step you have to do. And other than that, there's no one who is going the same place at the same time. You can kind of walk, you know, from downstage to upstage or across in a diagonal. Or, and that's all just improvised per performance. But you have to remember those counts. And so you can kind of go and look right before your entrance and check, make sure you got everything in line. So the only rule is don't hit the soloists, right? Yes. <laughs> the soloists have the right of way. <laughs> So yesterday you were dancing in Raimonda, which is one of those very exposed ballets in terms of, of technique. Um, in fact, you do, you do the Grand Pas Classique, which is an ensemble part, the Pas de Trois, and solos number two and four, right? That's right. So, um, you know, Helgi Thomason often talks about the need for the company to do these kinds of ballets in order to keep technique honed. What, what's hard and what's rewarding about this kind of ballet for you with this kind of pristine approach to technique? It's really neat to do you know, two world premieres back to back with something like Ramonda because you know, with the premiere, like you'll see today, no one has ever seen it before. So, you know, with that neoclassical, contemporary, new feeling to it, I think there's, there's some freedom because no one quite knows what they're looking at. And uh, so you can kind of add your own interpretation, and if something's a little off, you know, you can somehow find a way to make it work. Uh, I think with Ramondo, like you said, it's very exposed, and uh, the steps are very familiar and the music is, is very square, and the steps are like, see, I'm going to do this, and now I'm going to do it again, and now I'm going to do it a third time. So uh, I think that's you know, the structure of classical ballet, and that's what makes it very, very difficult. Um, and for me, classical ballet has always been the most difficult thing, I think. Um, and so that's why also it makes it much more rewarding, and I mean, I could compare it to, you know, I loved English in school. I loved literature. I just, you know, I loved reading books. Um, didn't like math so much, but, you know, when I did well at a math test, I really felt a true sense of satisfaction. And so I, I feel like Ramon does a little bit like that calculus exam that you just, oh, wow, if, I, if you did it well, there is a real true sense of satisfaction. <laughs> If you're just joining us, I'm in conversation with soloist Courtney Elizabeth. 
so you had a really, really important role uh, right out of the gate this season, doing Onyegin, dancing Olga. Um, and I'd like to, to just hear your, your, your thoughts on that, because I know that it, that it was a really important dramatic role for you, probably the biggest one you've had. Um, but I also wondered, um, you had mentioned in one of the company's blog posts that um, you find it a little bit easier to do fast movement than to do slow movement. And so if any of you saw on Yegan, you know that, that the role of Olga involves quite a bit of adagio, slow movement. So could you talk a little bit about, about the role in general and also that aspect of it? Is it, is it physics or is it training? Because certainly... You know, dancers who are very tall, who have very long arms and legs, fast movement can be very difficult. So talk a little bit about that. I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's, uh, you know, what you find yourself dancing a lot, um, you get more practice at, and therefore it maybe starts to come more naturally. So, you know, over the years, um, I feel like I've gotten to dance a lot of peppy, smiley things and things that require ballon and things that are a little bit quicker. And, you know, that's, that's a challenge. But I've, I've started to find that comes a little bit more naturally now. And, yeah, to, to slow down and, and really have that control and an adagio and also, um, you know, to, to really work with a partner and, and have this kind of trust, like, okay, you can hold me up here. <laughs> um, I think that is a harder thing for me too. I, I've generally done a lot of roles where I'm independent and I feel very comfortable like, okay, I, I'm on my own and it's all on me and here I go. And so I think the combination of, yeah, having that slow and controlled movement with, you know, in coordination with someone else is, uh, it was a good challenge. And, and what about the, the acting end of it? Just is... Is that something you really get into? Oh, I love dramatic stuff. And uh, over the years, like you said, you know, I've, I've played a lot of harlots and gypsies. I think a lot of it's because of the hair, <laughs> um, which is awesome and really fun. Um, but it was, it was so great to get a chance to play a sweet girl who's in love and um, to, you know, to be that kind of peppy, sweet person but then have this, you know, this moment at the end where, wow, what, did, what have I done? What did I do? And to have, you know, like a, a real dramatic moment and, you know, there's tragedy. And um, I found myself just loving that and wishing, you know, wanting more opportunities to do stuff like that. And did you, did you have a lot of, you know, feedback from Jane Bourne as the stager who came here to, to do on Yegan? Did you have a lot of coaching from her on, on your approach to interpreting the role, or was that pretty much up to you? I think at first, Jane was, um, she's a little bit more, she just kind of would give you the steps very, very straightforward. And she'd say, you know, right here, you know, you do this and then he pushes you down and then he walks away and and then you know so you're going through that motion and then you hear the music and you're in the moment and you realize wow this is a huge turning point in the piece so I think at first it was just very these are the steps and this is what you do and then after that it was you know what you chose to do with the moment and then there would be some slight suggestions after that 
Okay, thank you. So, you know, you were in the, the corps de ballet for seven years and you, and you danced a lot of soloist roles and even principal roles before you actually became a soloist. Um, I just wondered in, in the course of that time period, if there was a particular turning point for you where you felt, yes, I am ready for the next step, I am, I am ready for, for, to be a soloist, or if it was a more gradual sort of thing um, that you eased into? That's a really good question. Um, I think in the year 2010, when I really was dancing in just about everything, there comes a point in the season, probably right around now, where you know, you've, you've been out there so much on stage and it's, it almost becomes second nature. You, uh, you have less nerves because you've just had so much time and so much just experience being out there that it's less of a oh, I'm, you know, I'm stepping out on stage. Instead, oh, I'm, I'm getting much more comfortable out there. And I think um, one of the turning points maybe was doing opening night of In the Middle Somewhat Elevated the second year around. Uh, I think that was a big confidence builder for me because that's a very, you know, William Forsyth powerhouse ballet, one that I learned when I was maybe 16. And I just, you know, it was, it was such a career highlight. And to, to be able to do that, with you know these world-class dancers here, um, I think that was a big confidence builder. And also, um, when Helgi picked me to learn the first movement of Trio, um, that was that was a a great great experience. I feel like out of all the ballets that I've done here, I learned the most um, working on that premiere. Um, had some incredible partners. I worked with uh, John Boada, Vitor Luiz, and I, I think. Yeah, out of any ballet that I've done here, I've learned the most about partnering and dancing and, um, and the choreographic process uh, through that ballet. So I think both of those were, were good turning points. Now, one of the things that you do um, or have done in, in addition to all this dancing is you've worked with an organization called Children for Uganda. Yes. Um, you want to tell us a little bit about what that is and what your involvement has been? Sure. Um, Children of Uganda is a great organization. It's, uh, it's an orphanage in Africa for Ugandan orphans, and uh, they rehabilitate and also just provide basic needs for children, but they, they, they use um, their cultural dance and music um, as, as a means of like healing and rehabilitation. And um, so some of my colleagues and I threw a, threw a fundraiser in October to bring some of the children here to the United States to perform. And um, it was really special. They came to San Francisco in January and performed throughout the Bay Area. And I got to meet some of the kids and, and just see how much joy um, the, the dance and the music was, was bringing to them, and uh, it, was, it was really special. So I was really glad to be a part of that. Is that something that might be repeated again at some other point in the future? I hope so. I think that uh, the, the organization brings you know, a select group of talented children on tour to the United States every few years. So um, I'll check back with the organization, and hopefully that will, that will come back soon. Yeah. So a year or two ago, I forget exactly when, you graduated with a BA degree from St. Mary's College, which offers a program called LEAP. 
LEAP, which is um, a program designed for working dancers to obtain their degree while they're still performing. Um, did, you, did you have a particular focus in mind in terms of the courses you took that would lead you in a certain direction in the far, far, far distant future? Because you're not, you know. I think, you know, as dancers, most of us probably knew from the age of, you know, five to ten that we wanted to be a dancer. So the idea of doing something different is, is very foreign. And um, so I think the great thing about the LEAP program is that it gives dancers an opportunity to take a lot of different classes and explore a lot of different avenues. And, you know, just over the course of the program, I thought, oh, I want to be a dance critic. I want to be a physical therapist. I want to be a kindergarten teacher. So, I, you know, there's, there's so many things that really interest me. And I'm, I'm not quite sure in which direction life is going to take me yet. But um, it's, yeah, it was a great, great program. And I think, I, I want to say, almost half of the company has either been through some of the program or has graduated at this point. Maybe not quite half, but. Um, it's, it's a really awesome thing. So. This program, by the way, was created for the San Francisco Ballet Dancers years ago, and it's now also in New York and L.A., so it's doing very good things. Um, now, you happen to be married to one of your co-workers. I uh, happen to be, yes. Corps de Ballet Dancer Matthew Stewart. And... Um, I'm not going to ask you about, about working with him because you probably get asked that all the time. But one of the things that Matt is, besides a dancer, is he's a musician. So I wondered, do you get to play or sing with him or are you just a fan? I kept my singing limited to West Side Story. <laughs> um, I, I'll help him sometimes when he's writing a song and try to sing a little bit of a harmony or if he's trying to write a female part and he'll say, oh, you know, is this really high for you, or something like that? Um, but yeah, he's he's amazing. He's so talented. So uh, it's just a pleasure for me to you know watch him work in that aspect of his life, and it's really cool. Well, I want to open this up to questions now. So please raise your hand. Yes. What do you do for recreation that has nothing to do with ballet? Well, this time of year, not much. <laughs> um, I love cooking, so I, I do a lot of cooking. That's a lot of fun. Um, I love reading um, any kind of word game like Scrabble and Boggle. I try to make Matt put up with me for a little bit, <laughs> play some games. Uh, what else? I, I love hiking and biking and being outdoors as well. Um, and we like traveling a lot, too. So, a lot of stuff. Yes. How long have you been a dancer? Well, I started dancing when I was four, year old, four years old. And my mom put me into ballet because it was this thing that little girls do, right? <laughs> and uh, then I... I guess I liked it, and so I stuck with it, and I came out here when I was 17, and then I joined the company when I was 19, so I've been here for about nine years. Yes.
In terms of discovering your own style as a dancer, uh, did you, you know, watch principal dancers that you particularly admired, or is this something that sort of you evolved on your own? That's a great question. Um, when I first joined the school, um, I stood back there in the standing room, I think maybe four nights a week, uh, watching performances, and um, I, names come to mind like Tina LeBlanc and Joanna Berman and Julie Diana and some of the dancers who are still with us as well. Um, I think it absolutely depends on the, the piece that I'm doing. If I'm doing something technical with a lot of turns, I might go to Vanessa Zahorian and say, help me with this. <laughs> or, you know, um, working with Sarah Van Patten through O'Negan was amazing because she's so dramatic and it comes so naturally to her. And working on stage with her just brought me to a new level dramatically because I could just see her intensity there. And, um, you know, Francis Chung is incredible. You know, we always say if, you know, we had to send somebody to the Olympics, we would send Francis. So, you know, and she, she just has such a giving spirit as well. She'll, she'll be able to, you know, look at something and, and bring something out of you, you know, just when you're working in class in the back of the studio. So, um, yeah, I, I think I admire something in every single dancer here and I can draw on that depending on, you know, what, if it's classical, if if it's neoclassical, and uh, yeah, just you learn so much from watching over the years, for sure. I don't want to ignore this half, so, <laughs> yes. Do you have a favorite role? That's so hard. Um, well, Onegin is fresh. I really, really love doing Olga. I think that was a career highlight. Um, one of the ones also that comes to mind is In the Middle Somewhat Elevated that I mentioned before. Um, and then there's stuff like, you know, West Side Story that was so much fun. Also, you know, Fancy Free by Jerome Robbins um, was really great. Uh, one of the first roles that was created on me actually was a ballet called Elemental Brubeck um, by Lara Lubavitch. And we premiered that in Paris in 2005. And, um, I got to dance with Matt in that ballet, and that was actually before we were dating. So that, that's a special memory for me, too. <laughs> yes. What is the difference between classical and neoclassical ballet? I th you know, that's a, that's a good question, too. Um, I think classical ballet, maybe the way I think of it is things that, steps that have a name to it, like arabesque, glissade, saute, things that are kind of in our vocabulary from the, the time that we're, you know, we start our training and, you know, pirouette, just things that are, are basic and then neoclassical ballet is gonna expand on that and take a basic arm port bras or a basic pirouette and make it something different and something new um, that maybe you don't have a specific name for that. You know, we might call something a sauté, but it's actually something that's slightly different than that. And I think that is how I kind of think of neoclassical versus classical. Yes. 
the question, which you can choose not to answer, is how old are you? <laughs> I'm 28 years old. Yes. So since you're married to a dancer, do you ever practice at home together? <laughs> I'd say most of the time, no. Actually, almost never. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about work, and actually there's many days where we'll come to work and, you know, we might not actually see each other all day except in class because we're in different ballets or different sections of ballets, and especially over here, you know, when we're in our own dressing rooms and and have our own warm-up time. So there's some days where you really do go home and say, well, how was your day, honey? <laughs> um, so, you know, if we are in the same piece, there will be some things maybe we'll talk about. But for the most part, we, we pretty much leave work at work, which is kind of nice. But it's nice because at the same time, he absolutely understands everything that's going on here, and there's a, tr there's a true empathy. Um, but at the same time, he, I, I just, I love him because he's so, he's so grounded in, in life in general. And so he's just a real anchor when, when things get crazy here. So, yeah, it's good. We are out of time. I'd like to thank you all again for coming. And please thank our guests, soloist Courtney Elizabeth. Thank you. Enjoy the show.